Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the Visitor's Edition of the Michigan Man. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's show, we have two members of the Gator Media crew we'll hear from. First is former Gator running back Brady Ackerman, who hosts the pre- and post-game shows and handles sideline reporting during the games on the Gator Radio Network. After that, we'll be joined by beat writer Scott Carpenter from FloridaGators.com. I asked both of them basically the same questions, but I thought it would be interesting to hear from a member of the radio team and the print media covering Florida. So although a bit redundant at times, it's always interesting to hear different points of view. Before we get to the guys, my view from Section 17. Redshirt freshman Felipe Franks will get the start for the Gators on Saturday. That announcement was made yesterday, and we had already taped these segments you're going to hear today. Both of my guests did say that Franks was the future at quarterback, so it's no surprise to them that he gets the nod. He is a big 6'6", 230-pound kid, big arm, and pretty good mobility. As of this morning, 10 players are now suspended for the Gators. Starting running back Jordan Scarlett was added to that list yesterday. Of the 10 suspended players, two are starters, Scarlett and wide receiver Antonio Callaway. We finally have a roster. On Wednesday, Jim released the official roster for 2017. Not many surprises, no heights or weights listed, and the only notable item was defensive tackle Shelton Johnson was not listed. His situation was not addressed. So we are finally ready to get the show on the road, and I think we are all ready for some Michigan football. Brady Ackerman has a unique view of Florida football. He was a running back for the Gators in the late 80s and is now a member of the Gators radio network. He's excited about this game and the fact it's against, as he says, one of the marquee teams in college football. He joins me next on our visitor's segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
Joining us here on our visitor segment this week as we get ready for the big opener with Florida is former Gator running back, sideline reporter, and host of the pre- and post-game show on the Gator Radio Network, Brady Ackerman. Great to have you with us, Brady. Uh, it's good to be on with you again. Uh, hopefully Florida put up a little bit better matchup than the last time I was on with you <laughs> a couple Ooh. of years ago, but looking forward to it Saturday. I have a hunch we'll see a different kind of a game on Saturday, but at any rate, it's just great to get the season underway. Of course, the last time we met was at the end of the season in a bowl game. Now an opener, and I guess with, along with Alabama and Florida State, Michigan and Florida headline, a really great opening weekend of college football. And Brady, as a, as a former player, former Gator running back, would you rather open the season with a, a big game like this where you've got to be ready to go on the first game of the season as opposed to playing a team where you maybe, you know, you expect to win? Well, I think this is new territory for Florida. I mean, they haven't done something like this since the late 80s against Ole Miss and then on an annual basis against Miami. Uh, Florida has really played nobody in the opener and Fans have been wanting for this. You know, it gets old after a while. So I, as an ex-player, as a fan now, as a, you know, a member of the broadcast team, it's exciting to see uh, a game like this, an opponent like this, uh, to crank up the season and get your focus uh, right there in the offseason. Coaches got to be, you know, a little pay a little more attention to detail than maybe if they were going into a game against a directional school. I mean, Michigan's a great program, and, uh, you know, these guys have been thinking about this game since the end of last season. I think it helps with recruiting. I think when you play games like this and you, you're going out there and recruiting, saying, hey, we're opening with Michigan. You know, that's a big deal. So, uh, you know, I think it's great. I, I'd like to see Florida do more of it. Um, a lot of it has to do with the schedule every other year and how many home games they're trying to get. But uh, they're going to do it again in two years with Miami, and I'd like to see them do it every year. Well, yesterday we had a chance to see the uh, the maize uniforms Michigan's going to be wearing, both teams wearing alternate uniforms in the opener. Uh, what did you think of the uh, the uniforms the Gators are going to be sporting? Well, I like it. Uh, a lot of the fans are like, you know, they're a little nervous because Florida hasn't had a lot of success in those white helmets. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and I know you know this being around the program, it's all about the kids. What do the kids want to wear? You know, yes, you have traditions, and, and Michigan has that traditional helmet, and Florida has the traditional blue with the Gator logo. But, I mean, the reality of it is, you know, the games change. Kids are changing. Um, they want to they, – they like this kind of stuff. Again, I think it's great for recruiting. I think the kids are jacked up. I'm sure Michigan's kids are jacked up. And uh, uh, it'll be fun. I, I, you know, it's a, it's a unique game. It's not a regular game you see every year, so why not throw a little color rush into it? And, you know, I'm all about it, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. Well, most of the chatter in the last week or two leading up to the game Saturday has been about Jim Harbaugh not releasing – a roster prior to the game, something that's been an issue or talked about for the last couple of years. And I know it irritates folks. Uh, Coach McElwain has joked about it. But do you think it's more of a media reaction to this whole thing? I mean, in other words, at this point, it, it really doesn't have an impact on a game plan, does it? No, I don't think it does at all. I mean, it, for Florida, they're you know, getting ready for Michigan, there's so much newness um, from a personnel standpoint. Um, you're just getting ready for scheme. You're getting ready for tendencies uh, for Harbaugh. You're getting ready to be in a very physical battle, which is why McElwain has spent uh, this camp, his third camp, uh, having the most physical preparation of any camp he's had. I mean, it's been really, really tough. They've been very physical uh, in this camp. He's been demanding on the kids. Uh, it, it's been a tougher camp for them than the last two years, and he's done that to get ready for uh, a Jim Harbaugh coach physical team. But you know, I think they know, you know, what the quarterback, the system, and all that brings to the table. I, anytime you have a first game, 
like this in two uh, very good opponents, both teams are going to have a wrinkle or two just to try to get some easy scores or maybe an easy, you know, defensive stop or something, a blitz or this, that, and the other. But when it all gets down to it, I think that, you know, you've got to take care of what you do. And if Florida executes and does what it does, um, then they give themselves a great chance to win. And then part of that is going to be trying to stop Michigan's running game and those types of things. But I, I think the media has had some fun with it. You know, the thing I sense with Harbaugh is if he thinks the media is going to run with it, uh, he's just going to keep feeding it. You know, he's going to, and that, that deal yesterday, that was pretty funny, uh, releasing the roster that way. And I think McElwain is a pretty laid-back guy. Um, I think he, he kind of understands. You know, Jim's having some fun with it, so he's having fun with the three-quarterback thing. I think, all in all, I think it's been kind of neat. Well, we all know about the suspensions handed out a few weeks ago, another one over the weekend. I'm sure the team and fans down there are tired of hearing about it, too. Um, Losing Antonio Callaway, that's significant. It's affected the depth. But has it been a a big distraction for this team as they prepare for the game? I don't think it's been a big distraction. I don't want to minimize it, though. I know a lot of people say, well, Florida could still win this game. Their receivers are as deep as they've had, and that's true and Florida plays well, they can still win. But Callaway's a major factor. Don't, don't, I'm not going to diminish that at, at any point. Um, he always shows up in big games. This was a big game. And so losing him is a, is a major factor. The depth takes a little bit of hit, special teams, uh, defensive ends position because of some of those uh, uh, suspensions. But nothing that you would say at the end of the game, that cost him. And I don't even think you would say losing Callaway would cost him. But to minimize it, is unfair to Callaway's ability, and um, and it probably takes a little pressure off of Michigan's back end on the secondary, knowing that you know you've got a bunch of unproven guys they're going up against this weekend, but they don't have Callaway, who they would I'm I'm sure they would have had a bullseye on had he been out there on the field. So, um, but yeah, people are you know they're they've kind of moved past it. Um, the beauty of this first game is is the fact that you got you can lose this game and play well and still have a lot in front of you and get back into this thing at the end of the year as far as the national perspective. And certainly Florida wants, it has to go through Alabama to win the SEC. So um, those are major goals. If you win it, it's, it's really a nice you know feather in your cap, but you still have to play your conference schedule. You still have to try to win your league and all that. So um, I think it's great. I think both teams have, uh, should play loose. I think both teams have nothing to lose in this game. And I think whoever wins this game, I think it's going to be more of a bonus to them than that it be a detriment to the team that loses it. Coach McIlwain has said he has three quarterbacks who could see playing time on Saturday, all very uh, different styles also. Has there truly been no separation between these three guys up to this point? Well, I got to tell you, they're, they all have done great things. And I know that sounds like coach speak, but they, you know, each guy has moved the offense in his own way. And, um, you know, I think, you know, with all three guys, you got Felipe Franks, a redshirt freshman. He was the starter in the spring, had no, really no competition. Um, he is a four-star kid who they took from LSU, who, who, who fans want to see as the heir apparent. But, um, you know, he needs, he hasn't played in the game. you got Malik Zaire, who I know a lot of people are familiar with. He gives you that running, uh, you know, opportunity from Notre Dame. And he obviously played in some big games at Notre Dame, but not a lot, but he played in some big games. And they have Luke Del Rio got injured last year, five and one as a starter, who probably knows the offense better than anyone. So it, I, to me, it's been hard to separate. I think personally, if you're you put me on the hot seat right now, I'd say they start the freshman, and because the other two guys are veterans, they understand it's a process. They can come in off the bench, but I think the freshman has probably earned the right 
to at least go see what he can do for a couple of series against a great Michigan team. And, you know, if he struggles, you have two guys who've played a lot of football that you can go to. Well, last year, the Gators averaged just over 23 points a game, I think it was. So the offense had some struggles at times. Can this offense be better? And we just talked about the quarterback situation. And who are some of the key players Michigan fans can watch that need to show up big for Florida in this game? Well, this offense has struggled since Tim Tebow left, to be honest with you. It has been a grind uh, since he left the swamp. And last year is no no, no different. Um, it has to be improved. Their offensive line's been around now for a while. Uh, they feel like they're going to be more physical there. Uh, you know, obviously, Marquez Ivy's a left tackle. has got a chance to be in the NFL. He's going to be their best offensive lineman. Jordan Scarlett, who had 800 yards plus running them all last year, splitting time with basically three other guys. He'll be their lead running back. Now, they'll play three running backs like most college teams, but he'll be their lead guy at running back. And then at wide receiver, um, you know, Florida's got a couple of young guys that are really good. A Josh Hammond, whose his brother plays for the Chiefs in the NFL, uh, and Tyree Cleveland, who was a true freshman last year, had some big plays down the stretch in games against teams like LSU, a uh, four-star recruit out of Houston, Texas, who's excited to go back to the state. Um, those are two kids, I think, on the perimeter that a lot of national people don't know that the Gators are going to show up and have some big, uh, big games at the receiver position. So offensively, look, they've got to be better. But it all comes down to quarterback play. If they don't get better quarterback play, I, I you know, I don't know how they can be good on offense because it's a quarterback-driven game. But I, I think they will, and I think they're going to be a much improved offense over the last three or four years. Well, we're on the defensive side. That unit has carried the Gators to the last two years of back-to-back East Division titles. Seven of last year's starters are in the NFL now. Will the defense have to uh, shoulder the load again this year? And I know you said the offense has to improve, but other than senior Duke Dawson, talk about some of the other new faces on that D who we're going to see play Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. Well, the def- yes, the defense, I think, um, it, it obviously can't be as good as it's been the last couple of years, but they've been asked to do a lot. Um, I still think it's a top 15 defense when it's all said and done. And they have guys who've played a lot because of injuries. You know, down the stretch last year, uh, NFL linebackers Alex Anzalone and Jared Davis were injured. So you'll see David Reese and Boshan Joseph, uh, the heir apparent at linebacker who played against LSU and Alabama and uh, FSU down the stretch and, and played pretty well, to be honest with you. So they've got guys that have played some and got some experience that I think if, if those two guys don't get injured last year, you're asking me this question, I'm saying I don't know what they got at linebacker. I have no idea. So I feel like that they're better there than they would have been had those guys not gotten injured. C.C. Jefferson's their best defensive lineman. Uh, he was a four-star recruit a couple of years ago. He's number 96. He can play inside and outside. He'll play defensive end. I think Florida's defensive ends are the strength of its defensive front. I think the defensive tackles are a major question mark, which concerns you going up against a, a team like Michigan, a physical running team. Um, they, they lost two guys to the NFL and Brantley and Ivy. So they, they've got to find somebody on the interior that steps up. Taven Bryan's a name to keep an eye on. And then in the back end on the secondary, they had an injury to Marcel Harris early in camp. He's an NFL player that's out for the season uh, that they're really going to miss on the safety spot. But keep an eye on Chauncey Gardner, number 23, at three interceptions in the last three games. Last year against Iowa, Florida State, and Alabama, uh, excellent safety who can play in the box. And then they've got a true freshman corner and Marco Wilson, his brother, plays for the Indianapolis Colts, who played last year, Quincy Wilson. He is as ready as any true freshman corner I've seen Florida have uh, in recent memory, probably as ready as Vernon Hargraves was when he was a true freshman. Coach McElwain, just like Jim Harbaugh, is in his third year now. 
first two years recruiting has been outstanding. He's won back-to-back East Division titles, gotten to the championship game. So overall, I would think the Gator fan base has to be pretty happy with the direction he has the program headed in. Well, I think they're satisfied. Uh, You know, and you've probably seen this with Michigan fans as well. I mean, they're never happy. You're not beating Ohio State or Florida State. You're not winning the national championship. They're never happy. And so I think it's an important year for him um, just to not only win the East, but maybe do it uh, more emphatically. Maybe more, you know, I think fans like winning in Atlanta, but they want to see this streak with Florida State and they've lost four in a row. I think they want to be more competitive and beat Alabama. We're, you know, we're used to it, Florida being on par with Alabama. So I, I think people are, are excited. I think they're satisfied. But I don't think they're going to be happy until the offense gets to that 35-point-a-game range and Florida starts beating Florida State again. Well, so many uh, young guys in both sides of the ball Saturday. I would guess the outcome mm, could come down to uh, mistakes, maybe even special teams play. And that is one area that we know going into the game with Eddie Pinero kicking and Johnny Townsend punting. The Gators have a, a decided advantage in that area of the game, don't they? Well, they're definitely strong as anybody in the country. I, again, I'm not as familiar yet with, with Michigan's kicking game, but I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody other than including Michigan that has a better kicker and punter in the country combination than Florida does, and I feel extremely confident in that, and it hasn't always been that way the last several years. Certainly last time they played Michigan, they had a walk-on dentist student with a torn ACL try to kick the extra point uh, in Orlando, so it's, it's, been a, it's a much better situation than it was in Orlando <laughs> a couple of years ago. Poor kid had a torn ACL, he's the only kid they had, so they had to run him out there, but uh, yeah, it's a good situation. And, um, you know, special teams is very important for both sides of the football. Uh, but, you know, in these early games, the mistakes and how which team settles in early, I think, will have a chance to win. I, I expect to be a close game the whole way. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, and um, we'll find out uh, who can make play. Well, who knows what we'll see. Both fans uh, from both sides have been waiting a long time for this matchup. It's the first game. It's on the big stage at Jerry's World. Two marquee programs trying to start the season off on the right foot. And that is what college football is all about, isn't it, Brady? It sure is. It's exciting. I wish Florida would play these games every year. I mean, Alabama's been doing it for years. Um, and this is this is uh, great. And I think once they get a taste of it, I hope they continue to do it. Like I said before, and I really believe this, I don't think who loses this game, no matter what, how the outcome is, uh, is out of anything and can walk away from this game feeling bad about itself. But I do think the winner of this game will get a bonus as far as just confidence and, and, and certainly uh, a jump into the top 10 and, and, and being a factor as they go through their conference schedule. I agree with you on that. My guest in our visitor's segment this week has been Brady Ackerman, who hosts the pre- and post-game show as well as handles the sideline reporting duties on the Gator Radio Network. Brady, thanks for your time and enjoy the game on Saturday. All right, thank you for having me and uh, travel safe. We'll see you guys in Texas. Next, we get to hear from another member of the Gator Media crew for his take on the opener. Beat writer Scott Carpenter from FloridaGators.com is next, here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
On our visitor segment this week, as we keep on previewing the uh, the opener with uh, the University of Florida, is Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com. Scott, great to have the season here finally, isn't it? Yes, it is, Mike. <laughs> we're just uh, finally getting to the point where there's going to be a, a different storylines emerge. And, you know, I think the preseason, by the time you get to that final week of camp, everybody pretty much is ready to move on. The, uh, the coaches, the players, the media – and thankfully, we are at that point. Yes, and amen to that. So finally, game week, along with the uh, Alabama and Florida State game, Michigan and Florida, probably the two biggest games of the weekend. And my hunch is Gator fans are ready to tee it up and, and get it going, aren't they? Yeah, you know, I mean, this matchup was announced, I think, in December of 13. So, you know, back then it seems so far off. And here we are, what, three and a half years later, and it's finally arrived and of course, unexpectedly, these teams met uh, in the Citrus Bowl uh, well, after the 15th season, so didn't go Florida's way. Michigan was clearly the better team that day. So, you know, you have that, that factor for the, uh, the Florida fan base, and you also just have, you know, Jim McElwain's going into his third year like Jim Harbaugh up in Michigan, and, you know, both programs are still trying to climb back to really a national championship contention. And, you know, Michigan's been closer than Florida has the past couple of seasons. I think a lot of fans want to see how this game goes just because it's a great early read, you know, on your team uh, when you face off against such a, you know, a top opponent uh, in the opener. And we know that there were the suspensions in the last couple of weeks and some off-field incidents down there also last week. Of those seven suspensions... Uh, the one that will hurt most this Saturday is, of course, Antonio Callaway. But as I think you pointed out a week or so ago in an article, there is plenty of young talent in that Gator receiving core. Uh, I mean, you'll miss him, but there's some guys who can catch it, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, that's something where, you know, two years ago, if this was the case, you know, I wouldn't be saying that. But that's one area that, you know, McElwain and his staff have done a really good job of is really just re- uh, load in there in the receiver core rebuilding, I, I guess I should say, because that had been a weak spot in previous years, really since the Urban Meyer tenure. I mean, they never had like big time playmakers uh, during Muschamp's time at Florida. And McElwain, obviously, you know, he's got a versatile offense. You know, you always need those playmakers. And he's, uh, he's ridden the defense a lot his first two years, but I think he's looking in year three for the offense. Uh, you know, to really make more of an impact. And, and, you know, Callaway being out, you know, Florida's a better team with him. But at the same time, you got guys like Tyree Cleveland and Freddie Swain and Josh Hamlin and, you know, Dre Massey, a guy who they were counting on a lot last year before he hurt his knee and missed the season. But all those guys are healthy, look good in camp. So, um, yeah, I mean, I do think that that's not – if Florida loses this game, it's not going to be because of not having Antonio Callaway around. They've got enough – playmakers and enough talent around that they should be okay. Well, Coach McElwain said last week he has uh, three quarterbacks competing for the starting job and playing pretty well, and we might see all three of them on Saturday. Has there been any separation between those three since Coach made that statement? Well, you know, if, if there is, he hasn't said it. And, you know, the media watches some early practice, but quite frankly, it's kind of in drills that are just getting them warmed up and stuff. Uh, just from my observations, though, I mean, you know, they all three offer different skill sets. You start with Franks. I think, you know, he's the prototypical drop-back guy, 6'6", six, six, uh, has has good size, good athletic ability. And really a lot of people 
kind of want him to be the starter because he's, he, he could be the future at that position. And, you know, the position has really been a headache for Florida, uh, again, almost like the receivers for several years now. They've had just a constant guys rotating through there. And no, 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 other than really Jeff Driscoll back in 2012 has, has just been that guy all year. Uh, a lot of times it's been due to injuries, but Franks is one of the guys. He, he, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he starts, but again, it's a tough game. It's a big game. You're going to want to win this game. And I think the coaches feel really comfortable with putting Luke Del Rio in there because he's he's a guy who was 5-1 as a starter last year before injuries, injuries derailed him. And he's a, you know, he's he does everything well that McElwain asked of the quarterback in the uh, in his offense. I wouldn't say he does anything great, but he's a game manager type. And then Malik Zare, a guy from Notre Dame who I'm sure Michigan fans are probably familiar with, uh, he's gotten a, a long look here. I don't think he's uh, as good as a passer as either Franks or uh, Del Rio, but he does have that mobility going his way. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe we will see him all three. That would be a new wrinkle uh, for McElwain in his uh, time at Florida. But I, I do think that we're going to see at least uh, at least two just because of uh, you're looking at all three of these guys so long. I mean, I think that's part of their game plan, maybe just to give different looks to the Michigan defense. Well, let's talk about that Gator offense uh, we're going to see on Saturday. Whoever uh, of those three is under center, they are surrounded by talent, young talented receivers, which we've already touched on. And junior running back Jordan Scarlett really had a nice sophomore season, gained 889 yards uh, with six touchdowns. Uh, looks like a one of those guys is really hard to bring down, runs low. Talk about the the kind of back Jordan is and who else we might see getting carries for the Gators on Saturday. Scarlett emerged, you know, really midway through last season, uh, kind of uh, took over that featured back role. He's a good runner, a good physical guy. He, he breaks a lot of tackles. Uh, that's really one of the things that stands out the most. He rarely goes down on first contact. Um, not, a, not one of these guys who has breakaway speed, but, you know, he'll find the holes and, uh, and pick up some tough yardage. And I think that's why uh, they really turned to him last season, he, and he protects the football. Uh, and then after him, you've got a couple of guys in Mark Thompson and um, LaMichael Pirine. Uh, Pirine is kind of the, the smaller of the three, and Thompson is the bigger of the three. Uh, Thompson's a really nice talent, but he, he's had trouble with uh, fumbling, and that's one reason why he hasn't played as much as uh, maybe the others. And Pirine was a freshman last year who immediately came on and found the role and just a good short yardage back, but also has shown an ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And, uh, you know, again, I think Scarlett is the, is the kind of the head of that class, but, you know, I, I would expect all three to get looks. And then they got this freshman, uh, Malik Davis from uh, Tampa, who was really impressed the coaches during the uh, preseason camp. So, you know, I don't know if he'll get a look or not, but they're pretty solid back at running back. The offensive line returns four starters, and that is always a plus, especially with the uncertainty at quarterback, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is really the position group that McElwain has pointed to uh, all preseason that he thinks is the strength of this team and, and the best that he's had in, the, in his time at Florida. And it starts with, uh, you know, Marquez Zavi uh, up front. He's a, you know, just a one of the top rated recruits coming out of uh, high school and he started uh you know early in his career uh had some injury issues here and there he's been battling i think you know a nagging knee injury now but he'll, 
he kind of is the uh, the leader of that group. Jawan Taylor was a freshman last year on the right side. He's a, a key part of it. But they just found some stability there uh, last year. You saw them getting better and better throughout the year. And uh, they only lost one guy off the unit, and they, they added some talent through recruiting. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, they're going to be a little short was one of the freshmen who got suspended, Kadeem Teleport. He was certainly going to be in the uh, plans for the opener. But uh, so, you know, they're losing him. But if they can keep the guys healthy uh, and the talent they have, they should be pretty good. I I think that is one of the strengths of the team. My guest today on our visitor segment is Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com. As we get ready for the big opener on Saturday down there in Dallas. Scott, the uh, Gators defense has uh, carried this team the last two years. Seven of those, of those starters are in the NFL or were drafted from last year. Sort of like Michigan, lots of new faces on the D. No shortage of talent on that side of the ball, is there? No, they, they've recruited well there. And uh, really, Florida has become a defensive program in the last uh, six or seven years. And that's very unusual for Florida fan base to get used to. They've always been offensive-minded. But uh, this is a program that has turned out a lot of NFL players in recent years. You mentioned the, the seven from just a season ago. But they do return a lot of talent starting up front. C.C. Jefferson, I think, is a guy to watch up front. He's a, he can play inside, outside, more suited really for the edge. And he, he's, he puts uh, good pressure on the quarterback. And, and he's kind of a guy to look into to really have a breakout season and, and kind of take command of, of uh, you know, just the – energy and establishing an identity over there and then in the linebacker they lost jared davis who uh, is with the lions now they lost mm-hmm. Jalen Faber back in the uh you know secondary who's also with the Lions. so there's there's got some real uh real holes in the talent wise but they've they've recruited well voshan joseph is a young linebacker david reese who actually uh was a michigan recruit at one time he came on last year as a true freshman and I think you're going to see him, you know, he'll lead the team in tackles if, if he stays healthy this year, just a very solid middle linebacker. So they've got talent in the back end where they lost all that talent. They use. I think the, the guy to watch is Duke Dawson. Uh, he, he's a senior. He played behind guys like Vernon Hargraves and Keanu Neal and, uh, you know, Quincy Wilson. And he, it's his time to finally show what, you know, he's learned. And he's had his moments at Florida, but has been somewhat inconsistent. But I think he's going to be the leader back there, especially with uh, Marcel Harris lost for the season. Well, Randy Shannon taking over the uh, defensive coordinator job this year. And, of course, he won national titles as a player and a coach at Miami. Any change in uh, philosophy or schematically with the defense with Randy taking over? There's been some changes with certainly terminology and just the way they approach uh, the scheme that they use. I don't think the scheme is a lot different, but what the players keep saying is, he's kind of just made it simpler for them to uh, kind of more go with their natural instincts more instead of uh, worrying about a lot of uh, kind of reading uh, what the offense is exactly doing, just kind of get out there, play. He likes to call it, you know, play fast and play hard. And and that just really means uh, using a more simple approach. And it's nothing really different than what he's done in the past uh, from what he says. That's the way he, uh, his defenses were at Miami when he was head coach there and also his defensive coordinator, you know, before he took over that program. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest thing, Mike. I, I do think anytime a new defensive coordinator takes over, I mean, he, you know, he, the players obviously are going to have to make some adjustments in, in the way he runs things, but 
from what I've seen, the players have really responded well, just to kind of that simplified approach. Well, Michigan has uh, inexperience and question marks in both the kicking and the punting game. Not so with the Gators. Eddie Panero, back to kick. Johnny Townsend will handle the punting chores. And they are two of the best in the nation. And in a game where you look for uh, any break you can get, that kicking game is so important. That is a big plus for the Gators, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be a plus for them all season. Like you said, they are one of the best tandems in the country. Uh, It's very rare that a a kicker becomes kind of a, a folk hero like Eddie Pinheiro did last season down here because that position had given the Gators a lot of headache about for three years. And he really came in as this hype recruit. And, you know, he kicked all these 75, 80-yard field goals and posted them on YouTube. And, and fans kind of wanted to see if that was real. And while he didn't kick one that long, I mean, he booted a, he, what, a couple of 50-yarders. And he clearly has the leg on kickoffs, you know, he kicks them out of the end zone regularly. So uh, he's uh, kind of just uh, – he's going to be one of the best kickers in the country this year, you know, as long as things goes as planned. And then Johnny Townsend, a punter, is in the same same category, uh, one of the best kickers uh, – or one of the best punters in the country, probably the best Florida punter maybe ever. Set a school record uh, for the average kick last year. And uh, those two guys, you know, that's so important. I know it's overlooked in the game a lot because – they're not always flashy in what they do, but uh, having this consistency there, that allows uh, so many decisions during the course of a game to take place when you know kind of what you're going to get there. And uh, certainly they're going to be big factors all season for the Gators. Well, here in Michigan, uh, we get focused all year on the Wolverines. Fans get focused all year. Uh, there's so much to pay attention to. I know it's the same with Gator fans, really fans anywhere. But for Florida fans coming off two, uh, you know, back-to-back years where they won the uh, the SEC East, is this expected to be another SEC East championship team? I mean, that, that is the expectation because they, they've kind of set that as the expectation under McElwain. You know, two years ago when he got here, I think people were they were going to be patient. They knew that it could be a couple of years before they get back to that level, and, and they surprised everybody with the ten and one start, and they get um, you know ranked pretty high. And then, of course, they they slumped with those three losses to end the season. Um, the final one being the Michigan and the Citrus Bowl, or I guess it's called the the uh, <laughs> the Wings Bowl now, Wild Wings Bowl. But anyway. Um, that is the expectation, Mike. And I, I think when you look at this team, I mean, it's a realistic expectation. I think if they could solve the quarterback position and just get some consistency out of there that they've just been missing really the whole time under Mac, when you got to go back to year one, you know, it was Will Greer. He gets suspended. Then it goes to Treon Harris. They start last year with Treon Harris. You know, he, he, he's not playing well. They turn to, uh, I'm sorry, they start with Del Rio last year. He gets hurt. And then Treon Harris and Austin Appleby. Uh, so Appleby finished up. He's gone. So it's just been a, uh, a rotation there that they're still trying to find the solution to. And that's why, going back to the early point, you know, if Franks is that guy and can really be the, the, the future of that position, that probably solves a lot of the questions that the program has. But again, as we all know, that's the most position or that's the most important position in the game. And uh, that's what makes this season kind of interesting because, again, you're going into it really not knowing exactly what you have there. Uh, if they if it turns out well, getting back to Atlanta, I think, is very realistic. But if it doesn't, 
then it, it could be a, a different kind of season all the way around. Well, like Jim Harbaugh, Coach McElwain, now in his third year as head coach, uh, as we just mentioned, back-to-back SEC East titles, uh, a 19-8 and record. So that's a heck of a good start in your first two years. Overall, is the fan base happy with what he has accomplished, or does he need another big year to uh, to stay in the fans' good graces? I think with most of the fan base, they're pretty pleased. I mean, anytime you go back-to-back to Atlanta, you know, to get there, it was kind of unexpected, as I said, that first year. Last year, I think the expectations were a little higher, but then, you know, the way the season turned out with injuries and other things going on, it, you know, they still finished uh, – Nine and four, won a bowl game, so went into the off season with that momentum. Had a good recruiting class, and uh, that added another boost. So, so I think McElwain overall is in a pretty good position. But year three is going to always be important, and no matter what program you're at, because I think that's most people think by get first couple of years, you you're kind of your it's your program then, and that's where I think they are with McElwain, except the. He's all you know. He's had good quarterback play during his time as Alabama's offensive coordinator, even at Colorado State as head coach. And that's the one thing that he hasn't seen, or you know, hasn't developed consistently at Florida. So I think until until they can get to that point, I think there's always going to be skeptics. But I think his background and proven that he he knows what he's doing there helps him obviously well both michigan and florida i think everyone agrees uh, two very talented teams but both have a lot of question marks heading into saturday it should be a very interesting game for sure a very good first test uh, for both of these schools yeah you know you look at this game both of them are ranked uh you know i think what, ap and michigan's 11 florida 17th uh and you know i look at the matchup as a really kind of a toss-up because there are a lot of mysteries with both teams. I know Michigan's lost a lot of talent from last year. Uh, Florida has a lot of young talent that you know you still we're still trying to find answers on. Um, and the, the coaches are also they're both interesting in their own right. I mean Harbaugh, he, he might not talk about, but he's always in the news, and it's just funny for as an outsider who views the program. I mean, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, I'm, I'm, I would think you would love him just for kind of some of the the way that he always stirs the pot. And then the, in McElwain, he's, he's got this folksy nature about him that has hit the fans uh, well. They like that part of him. Uh, and both guys have an offensive background. So, you know, maybe we'll see some fireworks, maybe not. But uh, anytime you get two programs like this in that setting, I mean, that stadium is unreal. And, you know, those guys on each team are going to be jacked up. So it's it should be a fun uh, next Saturday. Well, we'll find out. 3.30 p.m. Saturday, uh, Michigan and Florida down at Jerry's World. My guest today on our visitor's segment has been Scott Cutter from FloridaGators.com. Scott, thanks for taking the time uh, to join us today. Enjoy the opener. Have a great day. All right, Mike. Will do. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap up this visitor's edition here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
On Quick Hits today, as we mentioned on Tuesday, Carlo Kemp has a broken hand, but has been practicing and will play. Freshman defensive lineman Luigi Villain is dinged up, but Greg Madison says he is good to go. As far as we know, those are the only injuries to report. Here are a few game day notes. Michigan has won all three games in this series. The first meeting was a 38-30 win back in the 2003 Outback Bowl. The last time these two teams met was on January 1st, 2016 in the Citrus Bowl in Jim Harbaugh's first year, a 41-7 win. Head coach Jim McElwain is in his third year as head man and is 19-8 at Florida, 41-24 in six years as a head coach. The Gators were 9-4 last year, SEC East champs, and finished the season ranked number 13 in the coaches' poll. They beat Iowa 30-3 in the Outback Bowl. They returned 15 starters, 9 on offense, 4 on D, and 2 special teams players. Don't forget our free show app is now available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. This season you can also hear us on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. So it's finally here. As Angelique and I said earlier this week, it's good to be done with the preview shows and have some real game action to talk about. Kickoff for Saturday's game, 3.30 p.m., and you can see it on ABC TV. It can't get here soon enough. Next week, I hope we are back recapping a big win over the Gators and looking forward to the home opener against Luke Fickle and his Cincinnati Bearcats. My guest on Tuesday's game day show will be Detroit Free Press beat writer Nick Baumgartner. Then on Thursday, we're scheduled to have Dan Horde, radio play-by-play voice of the Cincinnati football and basketball teams, as well as the Bengals on Sunday. So he's a busy guy, and we hope to have him. So enjoy the opener, and we'll see you back here next week as we get ready for the home opener against Cincinnati. Have a great Labor Day weekend, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!